0: Time for this week's sports law segment, brought to you by Hale, Hale, and Jacobson. Find them online at hhjlegal.com. That's
1: hhjlegal.com. Richard Hills, our sports law expert. Hale, Hale, and Jacobson, the firm online at hhjlegal.com. We talk sports and law on these uh, Fridays at this time. Richard, good morning. How are you?
0: Hey, good morning, Mark. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm oh,
1: good, thank you. So we've watched stories in college sports the uh, last few months about uh, waivers being denied on transfers. Uh, Tez Walker, North Carolina, very well publicized. and uh, he, he got clear to play. He's got four touchdowns in a couple of games. There's uh, a couple of basketball players at Cincinnati. Uh, there's Daryl Jackson Jr. at Florida State, where now you've got officials, that, uh, the Attorney General in Ohio, says, hey, you know, if they don't get a waiver here, he's thinking about filing uh, some sort of legal action. The CFO of our state, who I don't think, has the legal right to do this, but he said, hey, the same thing. Uh, you know, if we don't get something done about a waiver, we may legally challenge this. My question is, talk is one thing. What would be the legal ground to pursue something? over a rule that the participating schools who volunteer to be members of the NCAA voted on regarding waivers. But is there a legal ground for them to pursue something?
0: Yeah, so let's answer the question first, and then let's talk about the uh, the background here and how this all came to pass. The, the answer would be yes, they'd file an antitrust lawsuit against the NCAA. Uh, the court has made it clear that the NCAA does not enjoy antitrust exemption, and so this is a lawsuit filed in federal court probably by multiple plaintiffs including the state attorney generals that you discussed um, against the ncaa and there would be a large amount of discovery that would be conducted it'd be very costly to defend the ncaa certainly wants no part of that lawsuit so Um, By way of background, the NCAA here has a, a rule in place, and that rule is that if you're going to transfer from one school to another, you must sit out a full year before then you're allowed to play. However that rule has exceptions and over time uh, the NCAA has made exceptions and usually those exceptions are for a student athlete who has displayed um, the need either because of some maybe some mental health issues that they are uh, undergoing or some physical issues that they're having to waive that um, one-year sit out and and go ahead and, and be able to play almost immediately and so in this particular instance, yes, there's a, a player at the University of Cincinnati who transferred in in or over to Cincinnati and now is wanting to, to ask the NCAA to waive the one-year sit-out rules so that he can play basketball. The Ohio State, I'm sorry, the, the State Attorney General of Ohio has pleaded with the NCAA and has said, we've addressed in our request these mental health issues that this student athlete suffers from. Uh it's important that he be on the court, that he be back in and you know, playing again. Um, this is where he finds peace. Uh there are a number of reasons why this uh, you know an exception should be made here. And the NCAA denied that request. And so essentially what the Ohio uh uh Attorney General said is look, I'm gonna sue you and I'm gonna sue you claiming that this is a violation of a couple things. Number one, his due process rights under the Constitution, the Equal Protection Clause, uh, and then also that the the NCAA here is acting um, uh, as though it it enjoys an antitrust exemption, which we all know, uh, based on a a case that came out about two years ago, and you, you and I talked about this case, and I'll go into it just slightly, but this Alston versus the NCAA case, about two years ago it came out, and, and basically the court, the Supreme Court of the United States of America are here saying, look, um, the NCAA is not immune from the scrutiny of the court. They do not enjoy antitrust exemption. The court can look at the, the practices and the policies and the procedures of the NCAA, and we can scrutinize those. So the, the attorney general here of Ohio is saying we have the legal precedent at this point to file a lawsuit to challenge the NCAA on these types of decisions, Um, I'm going to go get all of my buddies who are attorney generals in other states who have successfully applied for uh, and gotten exceptions to join me in this lawsuit. It's going to be tremendously costly to the NCAA. Essentially, as the kids would say, you don't want this smoke, uh, so why don't you make the right decision here and and allow um, uh, allow this athlete to enjoy his exception.
1: So then why do we have rules? I mean what's the point? I, 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 and I understand everything you're saying legally, but Cincinnati is a a member of the NCAA. They volunteered to become a member. Uh they and the conference that they play in agreed to the transfer rule. What they don't like is And there wasn't a rule change in January. They reiterated the need to enforce the rule regarding a one-time transfer and the policy of transferring a second time. They don't like that the mental health waiver was denied because that's where they went back to apply the rule. And when I understand what you're saying, can they prove that if he doesn't play basketball, it's not mentally good for him? How about the fact, okay, if he's got uh, some mental health issues, then fine. Here's the support staff for it. When did the rule apply then?
0: Yeah, philosophically, we have rules uh, for exactly this reason, right? I mean, there has to be some some form of order. I think the problem that the NCAA has created for itself mm-hmm. is that the exceptions that have been made seem arbitrary and seem capricious. And for that reason, when you have one situation, uh, the student athlete from North Carolina, the, the receiver, and he's allowed to play – uh, and then you have a, another athlete here and, and, uh, in Cincinnati, and he's a not allowed to play, the decisions don't feel equal. And, and so um, when you have a governing body like the NCAA who, who can't seem to make of its mind and these these similar fact patterns or these similar situations um, are treated differently, you're going to create problems for yourself. And so I think, in, in, you know, to answer your question, the um, – fact that there hasn't been some um, uh, consistency in the decisions that are being made is the real problem for the NCAA here.
1: Yeah. Uh, Just one final note. On the kid from Cincinnati, uh, the Attorney General says the, uh, the seismic change in his life, the assistant coach that brought him to Utah Valley changed schools. That's the change in his life. That's why he left Utah Valley to go to Cincinnati. I don't know if it's a seismic change in his life. Let's get to some other stories. Um, I I don't know your thoughts on the the Dwight Howard uh, suit, the civil suit that's been filed. And then I don't know who's advising Dwight. He put out a a two-and-a-half-minute video yesterday that basically said, hey, what happens in my private life is my business, which is true. But I don't know if he was smart to put the video out and got a little bit specific about some stuff i i don't know if there's anything you want to add to what a dwight's lawsuit is and it, it looks like it's coming down to somebody didn't uh, you know he, he said he said uh but i don't know where this goes
0: yeah i didn't see the video so i i can't comment on on what was said there I want the audience to understand that these are not criminal charges that have been filed against dwight howard so um The, um, I guess, the alleged victim here didn't run off to the police and say, you know, I was um, assaulted. Uh, What he's uh, the alleged victim has done is he has filed a civil suit. Uh, So he's seeking monetary damages from Dwight Howard for a couple of things. Number one, for the assault or what he claims to be the assault, and then for intentional infliction of emotional distress. And so, you know, he would have to prove that he has somehow been distressed by this activity. And that Dwight Howard intentionally, um, you know, caused him to feel that distress, which uh, I think more likely than not the reason this is being brought in civil court is because there's a much less uh, a lesser standard that he would have to prove. So the burden of proof in a civil case um, is much less than what it would be in a criminal case, as we all know because we've heard this, you know millions of times in our lives, uh, the burden in a criminal case is is reasonable, uh, reasonable doubt. So is it beyond reasonable doubt, um, and we're all pretty familiar with that term. In a civil case, it's much less. So all you have to prove in a civil civil case is that based on a preponderance of the evidence, you know, is it more likely than not that Dwight Howard committed this act uh, that he's being, you know, charged with? and so much less standard you've heard dwight howard's team say this is a shakedown you've heard them say this is extortion um you've heard them say this was consensual and now we are faced with a situation where um there's some remorse uh and and the victim now is seeking monetary damages from dwight howard you know essentially this if, if this case continues and and there is a, not a settlement agreement that is reached we would have a jury trial where Dwight Howard and the, the alleged victim would get up on the stand. They would tell their side of the story, and a jury of their peers would have to determine who's telling the truth. Uh, is there any truth to the claims that are being made? And if so, should Dwight Howard have to pay? Uh, so an interesting you know set of circumstances that have arisen in terms of the PR behind it. I, I don't know why you take this to the media. I don't know why this is something you want played out. In public, only Dwight Howard and his team can kind of speak to that. Um, it, it appears for a long while now they they weren't trying to do that. They were trying to kind of deal with it behind closed doors. But now that it's been made public, I guess um, the gloves are off and everybody's going to start swinging. So we'll see what happens.
1: Yeah, we'll see. I mean, Dwight put a two-and-a-half-minute video out that he, he explains a lot, and and uh, it's one of those like, wow, not quite sure if would have done that. but. We'll see where the story uh, goes. Good stuff, Richard. Thank you. Have a nice weekend. I really appreciate it. Same to you, Mark. Take care. Richard Hale. Hale, Hale, and Jacobson's affirmed. They're online at hhjlegal.com. Duncan McGuire of Orlando City Soccer joins us next.